Hello everybody and welcome to Brunvagun. You will not get there on a road bike. Presented by Komut. Let's stop here for one second. Let's stop on this concept. I mean, not the concept that's supported by Komut. Thanks a lot, lovely people from Komut, for supporting this podcast. And just a little small thing to say. If you want to get your free region and your turn-by-turn navigation and your offline navigation and maps as well, just go on uh, um, komut.com slash g like Greenland and just type the code BROOM to get your extra free region. But that's not the thing that I want to talk for one second. I want to talk about the you will not get there on a road bike concept. Because I receive a lot of times uh, questions like, ah, so you mean that I need to buy this bike? So you mean that I need to buy... You will not get there on a road bike for me is a concept because I don't care. I don't need to know what bicycle you are riding, but I need to pass you the concept that don't put a label in you. Don't put a label on your bicycle style. Don't put a label even just on yourself. The point is that keep your brain open. Continue discovering, continue explore, adventuring, new way of cycling, new way of communication, new routes, new roads. You don't need to care on what your bike is, but actually what you are capable of. Seems like I'm preaching a bit today, but no, that's the main point. That actually, um, yeah, representation is a key concept and exploring is another key concept just go out now outside stay with your friends or going solo do whatever you want but just keep your brain open to absorb everything that the world can give you and move fast through all the terrains you don't need to be labeled at something just do whatever you want that's the concept of you will not get there on the road bike. You can get whatever bike you want. I really don't care about that. The most important thing for me is you keep your brain open. You can go outside and explore and represent your freedom. Today, I'm going to skip everything, all the things that I usually say, because I want you to jump directly into the conversation that I've made with Eric Sedeño, a.k.a. Bicycle Nomad. He's cycling the world for 13, 12 years now. And he went all around the US following, following his freedom. And this is a story of freedom because last trip that he did, and was also one of the first one, was on the one called the Underground Railroad Route from the south of US to the north of US, uh, till Canada. And this was the route that slaves, person of co- people of color, enslaved in the 19th century were following in order to get free to go to Canada and regain their freedom it's not a railroad but it's underground because you have to hide yourself in order not to be catch and in order sorry in order not to be caught and as well not to die on this trip it's something dangerous and it's something that not everybody knows because I didn't know about the story And I think that was, once I discovered and I saw the story of Eric, I said, okay, that's something that, it's what I want to tell into the Broomwagon, on the Broomwagon. Listen to Eric's story. It's super, super amazing. And I would also link down in the description below, more or less the map that 
Eric followed and anyways all the trips and all the segments that he had to take for his trip actually better and that map is taken from the association adventure cycling i hope that the komoot people will uh, and but they are so nice they will not uh don't take it personally will not take it personally because i actually linked the map from another website but this association actually tries to discover and to follow again um this kind of path and it's super amazing anyways if you are there in the us and you want to repeat this trip like or just a segment of it like eric did feel free to send me or oh, you done it already to send me the collection on komoot so i will actually post it here as well you can hear some noise of the city uh, even if this is not the big city the one that i live in but i actually made also the interview with eric while he was outside with the sound of the city of los angeles i wanted to keep it like it is really real and without cutting out uh, some of the noises of the city and i did it just to put everything in a context so if you can hear some background noise of the city of los angeles just you know that they made it for this reason and it's everything part of the story i will leave you here i hope you like it well this is Ah, I don't want to say use exactly your words, Eric, but I would say that today we are going to tell a story of freedom. But apart from that, we are. I'm here that I'm super happy because watching around, checking your interviews and listening to your stories and reading to your stories and everything, I sent you a message, Eric, and then you answered me straight away. Super enthusiastic and that's why i'm so happy of having here with my i actually i'm gonna misspell completely your name and surname man so eric sedeño you said it right that's perfect aka <laughs> noma no bicycle nomad right that's correct yes bicycle nomad yes 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 how are you doing man all good i'm good i'm doing good i'm doing good yes, yes. thank you for this opportunity to to share my story, but it's not even my story. I'm just the messenger of uh, of history, you know. Mm -hmm. Yes, because today we are going to touch base on some topics that are pretty, pretty important. And uh, yes, we are going to basically talk first of all about yourself as a person. We are going to talk about your you riding the bicycles all over the U.S. And we're going to talk as well about the underground railroad route that actually is the last trip that you have done right on the bike lately it that's was... the last trip that i did um completed in november of 2020 perfect perfect and uh, another thing probably to give a bit of context to people you are now at the mo at the moment in a coffee shop in santa monica los angeles right i'm in i'm in uh, uh one of my favorite coffee shops uh called creation uh, in Santa Monica, which is literally one block away from my house. Yes, that's great. That's great. We're gonna talk as well a tiny bit about coffee, man. So, but let's go oh, with the man. flow, man. Coffee, come on. <laughs> uh, I have been doing videos about coffee, uh, advertising about coffee. I drink three, four coffees a day, and I'm actually so picky on coffee that we need to talk about that at least a little bit. <laughs> Well, of course. I mean, I'm originally from Panama. Where, you um, I don't know if you ever have Panamanian coffee, but if you haven't, um, it's one of the most amazing uh, coffees uh, from around the world, right? Uh, Panama has um, uh, 
geisha. You ever had the Panamania geisha? Mm-hmm. It's uh, a very sought out after uh, coffee. So, but we could be here uh, talking about coffee for a week. I think we both have a passion for coffee, and I actually owned a coffee shop uh, that I had to close out uh, last year due to COVID. Man, I have to tell you also another thing. But wait a second. Can you just repeat for one second again this sad story, but still in order to make this introduction for myself? You had to close your coffee shop because of COVID. Perfect. So I had a coffee shop. Oh. That's what <laughs> I wanted to introduce. Uh, actually, I tend not to talk too much about COVID in my podcast because we are overwhelmed about all the information and everything that happened in the last two years. But because it's something that we need to put in a context and because we are living this life at the moment, all the time that we are talking about it or we mention these times, COVID, uh, lockdown, Uh, By the way, everybody here for a bit of context, then I will continue. There was actually Eric showing to me his breakfast. This Enasaibo looks great, man. So healthy. It's good for antioxidant uh, from the Amazon. This this, uh, acai berries are from the Amazon of Brazil. Wow, that's so great. Make you make you live a healthy life, you know? <laughs> absolutely, <Yes>. absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, uh, as I was saying, yeah, so the time, actually, I tend not to name it, but we need to name it from time to time. And when we do it, I have here with me the Broomwagoon COVID swear jar. That this means that all the time that myself or my guests are naming COVID, I'm dropping here inside a coin that usually is $1 more or less, one Swiss franc. At the end of okay. the season, in a couple of months, uh, I'm going to collect all the money that I have here and I'm going to give it in charity to this uh, charity. The name of it is Sea Watch, who is rescuing the refugees that from Africa are coming to Europe through the Mediterranean. Yeah. And it's a super dangerous thing because the boats are not in the best shape, let's put it in this way, and they are not in perfect condition. So many of them unfortunately die. And yes. for this reason, they are some of the few charities that are really with the boats, with big ships, are rescuing them. And they need actually, they live out of our support. So I choose, now well, it has been two years. Thank you for doing this. Thank yes, for doing this. I yes. think it's super important. The last two years I'm collecting money for them and I actually shout out to them all the time and with this COVID jar, I think that we can give. Yes. We are talking, as I was saying, it's a sad thing, but on the other side, we can make it become something a bit more, let's say, sparkling and happy by putting a coin and helping these people that are really yes. saving and rescuing a lot of people. We were saying that, just the last thing about coffee, then we can talk about your adventure and bikes. I saw into a video that you are a coffee, a mocha person. Tell me more about that. Are you, all, all you yeah. and your family, they also prepared coffee with the pot, with the mocha pot, or is something from you that it comes from there? Where did you learn it? Well, something, yeah, well, I learned it actually from my wife. Um, I like coffee different ways, right? So again, I own coffee shops, so I like coffee making pour over, uh, we call it. Uh, but she likes it with the mocha. And she learned it from her grandmother. So when I started dating her, I was like, this is very interesting. And she said, have you had it? And I had it, but never paid attention because, again, I like different techniques. But now it's my favorite way of making coffee. Uh, I just like the ritual, right, to waking up, to grinding the coffee, to putting the coffee in the mocha uh, pot, 
And um, yeah, uh, my love for it came from from her because she's the one who introduced it to me. You know, <laughs> that's great. That's great. This is really the basically the only way that I make yeah, coffee, at totally. least when I'm at home, and also when I'm outside, when I do camping or whatever. I bring my mocha with my coffee with my water. It's super easy to do it, and I love it. Also, I, for also for myself, for us, it's a tradition back at home. So back in Calabria, my grandma was doing yeah. it the same. I usually follow the old ritual in the morning, even if she woke up woke up when I was a kid way earlier than me but in the afternoon we I'm always doing coffee at four o'clock because my grandma was doing that so it's a tradition of coffee you know? <laughs> wow that's great yeah. I'm so glad that you say that because I'm having a baby in one month and I want to create traditions you know so maybe I do a coffee tradition because my dad is a coffee drinker my grandma was a coffee drinker and um and she also made it with the mocha pot And I love coffee because of my the smell of coffee that was in the morning in my house. And my dad drinks coffee in the morning and drinks coffee in, in, in the afternoon as well. And I want to create that tradition for him. So I'm glad that you mentioned that because I'm in that space right now of, of fatherhood and thinking about traditions, you know. Yeah. I can tell you that most of the things that I of my routine or the things that I do and everything, I can tell you that actually I really picked them up from my from my family so the coffee tradition for my grandma and then i have something like that's something that as an italian i should never say but usually i like to eat spaghetti with a spoon and a fork so i basically <laughs> roll the for the spaghetti inside with the fork inside of the spoon uh, because my grandpa was doing that and uh, so i said Even if it's, I can do it also without or stuff, but it's a tradition, you know. It remembers me to my grandparents and the, all the sweet times that they spend together with them. So why not? I love that. I mm -hmm. love that story. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, Eric, you were telling me, us, that you are originally from Panama. Give us a bit of introduction about yourself. So, yes, I was born in Panama. And when I was 14 years old, we moved to Miami. Mm-hmm. And then in, in the U.S. And I lived in Miami uh, pretty much all my life and went to college and graduated college. And then I moved to Philadelphia and uh, lived there for 10 years. Um, went, then moved back to Miami and uh, eventually moved to Phoenix, Arizona, where I created Bicycle Nomad Cafe. Um, and now I'm living in Los Angeles. But my roots are from, from Panama and my family and, and my brothers and my, my, my cousins and my nieces and my nephews, uh, aunts, everyone lives in Panama. My dad lives here in the United States in Austin, Texas. But other than that, it's a, it's a place that I have good memories. And uh, we're thinking of, I said, like I, like I mentioned before, we're having a baby uh, in a month or so. And. I want my baby to to know where I grew up in Panama. So, actually, thinking of buying a, a, a property in outside the city, about two hours outside the city. I love the countryside, right? So, very. Uh, I like the city, but I prefer living in the countryside, very close to the beach, very close to the mountains. And we're thinking of uh, buying a property there this year. Um, just so we could uh, take our son and for him to experience what I experienced as a kid. Because just like you mentioned, I have really good memory 
uh, growing up in, in my country uh, of Panama. Um, and, and, and I just, that's the way I want my son to, to have the same memories like me, like, like what you say about your, 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 your grandma and your grandparents. Um, and what you remember, I remember beautiful uh, memories and I want my son to have the same thing that I did. So, so we're uh, very close to hopefully buying this property in Panama. And it's actually the interesting thing, Stefano, is that it's, it's going to be in the, in the first eco-friendly city of Pan- in, in, built in Panama. I live in Santa Monica, California. Mm-hmm. And guess what's the name of this city in Panama? Santa Monica. Santa Monica. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, it blew me away when I said, wow, the name is Santa Monica. I live in Santa Monica. Those are signs. I'm always looking for signs uh, to making sure that I uh, travel around this world uh, with messages. And I thought that was a great message. And I said, you know what? That's the place where we're going to purchase a place in. Uh, in Santa Monica and Panama. Yes, yes, yes. No, that's uh, that's super interesting, super great, and especially what you are saying about absorbing the tradition, absorbing the history, the culture of the place where you grew up, and transmitting this also to your son is going to be, I think, super, super helpful. So, yeah, spending a bit of time in Los Angeles, I think it's, anyways, in Santa Monica, I think it's super great, Santa Monica, California. <laughs> uh, spending some time there as well, will help him actually also open a bit his mind, seeing different things. A hundred percent, Stefano. I, I think that um, me growing up, um, one of the things that I am who I am because of the mother and my father, they exposed me to travel uh, at a very young age. I travel all over mm-hmm. and it opened my mind to where like, whoa, you know, I went to, when I was 12 years old, one of the trips that I did that, that I remember the most when I was a kid was, um, uh, my mom took me, I was 12 years old and my mom took me for two weeks to Mexico to explore the temples and the, and the pyramids of the Mayan and Aztec civilization. Yes. And when I was 12 years old, that just like, um, blew my mind, right? Like blew my mind as a kid that I was uh, walking the pyramids of uh, an ancient culture. And since then I've been an explorer, you know, and wanted to learn more, you know, and wanted to learn more about history of different uh, parts of, of, of humanity history. You know? Yes, yes, yes. And you were talking basically about traveling, about uh, yourself exposed you are exposing yourself to travels and to adventure i remember that also you talked about that uh, during an interview that i saw online probably it was in the pathless pedals and you were talking especially about your mom actually letting you and giving you the possibility and the push to explore right but then you did it from all your life but at a certain point you decided to do it with the bike what did it happen yes. how did it happen um how did what happen? The bike or uh, the growing up with my mom? Why don't we do the both? Because I think that they are super interesting stories. So let's start from the beginning. Yeah, I think that uh, my mom, I am who I am because of her. Like she allowed me to, she never confined me, meaning she never gave me limits. She always wanted to know who I was as a person, as a little person. And understood my spirit, understood my spirit from early on that I was an explorer. I told you a story um, that I mentioned on that interview, too, 
my mom would take me every Friday to McDonald's okay. when I was a kid. Yeah. And McDonald's was about a mile and a half from home, right? So maybe two kilometers or so. so and we would walk. I would get my, my meal and then we would walk back. When I was at eight or nine years old, my mom was coming home from work in a bus and, and saw me walking on the street. And, and she, told, she told the driver, please stop the bus. That's my son. My, my mom came out of the bus and said, Eric, what are you doing? Where are you going? I was eight, nine years old. Yeah. And I said, I just wanted to see what was past McDonald's. It's because McDonald's was like a wall. Like we, I never, we would never pass there. So I wanted to see, okay, what's on the other side of this place, you know? And I was, I, and I tell you that story because I, I, uh, at my age, I'm still that same kid who is curious about what is on the other side that of the unknown to me, you know? So uh, I luckily was born to a mom that allowed me to explore and knew that I, that it was very important. I never got in trouble. She said, she just laughed and, and then we went home and, um, and always wanted to, I always wanted to hike when I was eight, nine years old, I would go hiking what I thought were mountains, but there were little hills. Right. And, and, and she would just sometimes help me prepare my meal. And, um, it was just great. It was just great growing up with her and, and she understood that travel was very uh, deep-rooted in me, you know. And again, she would tell me, regardless of how you look, the color of your skin, the way you speak or anything, make sure that you travel to be exposed. And make sure that you understand that you have the freedom. You have, it's, it's your right to travel freely around the world. And that, as a kid, she would tell me that all the time. And uh, I still believe her. I believe that I, I belong in the outdoors, regardless of my skin color, you know? So, um, yeah, uh, beautiful, beautiful memories of my mom. And she passed away in 1993. Um, and, um, and, and, and one of the, uh, I was 19 years old. And I said, I am going to honor her because her, 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 she wanted to explore too, but she explored by airplane, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and getting, but she loved traveling to different countries and she wasn't able to because she left at an early age. But me, I said, I'm going to honor um, her wish of me traveling, of her traveling. So that's what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. uh, exploring, you know, I, I have to. Yeah. 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 And uh, let's move on the bike then. And on the bike. Yeah. On the bike. I, um, I always tell people I'm not uh, a cyclist. I'm, I'm an adventurer mm -hmm. that decided to use the bicycle um, to travel. I, I, because of my work, I used to go to different cities around the country. But I wanted to see how the people in the country, in the small towns lived. And, you know, I travel by plane, I have traveled by car, but never slow enough to engage with people that live in, in between big cities, right? Like the people that live between um, San Francisco and L.A. I want to see how they live. I want to see how they are. And about 12 years ago, I decided and committed to that. I said, I want to travel slowly. Um, and I said, oh the bicycle 
And I decided I wanted to travel the whole country by bicycle. I wanted to see the, every corner of this country by bicycle. And I have done it. I actually seen every state of United States, except Alaska, <laughs> by bicycle. And um, my first trip was from Vancouver, Canada to Tijuana, Mexico. Wow. And I, I actually thought maybe that would be my last trip or my first trip and last trip. But no, I fell in love with it. Like love, love to the point that I even before I finished that trip, that trip took me 39 days. Even before I finished that trip, I already started thinking about the next trip. Yeah. And the next trip after that, which it was from Miami to New York City. Oh, wow. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you said that actually yeah. you roughly rode for all over the US on the bike. You were mentioning uh, from Vancouver, Canada to Tijuana, Mexico. So I would say that actually, I don't know if I can assume that you moved on the West Coast, right? On that side, yes. but in the inlands maybe as well. Uh, a little bit. Mostly just stayed. Uh, a very popular highway called uh, Pacific Coast Highway. Okay, yes, yes, okay. So you travel the whole Pacific Coast Highway. Literally, you probably don't even need a map because you're just going south on the Pacific Coast Highway. Yes, yeah. I think I was there, but with the car when I went from San Francisco to San Diego, I was with the car, but actually it was exactly that, and you were staying on the coast all the time. It was super cool. Yes. And actually the view there is just amazing. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you actually, so you actually basically rode all around the US and you were really, that's another thing that actually I really love by reading and by listening to your interviews. You travel, of course, for yourself, of course, for the views, of course, because you like doing it, but basically for the people and to check, to see how people live, right? How? Yeah, well, I, no, no, yeah. no, go ahead. So... Early on, I decided I did not want to travel with um, a GPS. Mm. So for 11 years, I've traveled for 12 years, but 11 years, only last year I traveled with a GPS. But before that, I wanted to travel with a map. The way older, older and ancient travelers did, right? They travel with a map, not with a computer. And the and, and reason I decided to do that is because, well, it's very romantic to use the map and, and look around, but I didn't mind getting getting lost because when you get lost, then you just pull over somewhere at a gas station or you see somebody walking by and then you're able to engage with them, right? And, and say, hey, how do I get to the next town, right? So I'm able to engage with nature. I'm able to engage with people. And yeah, and that's where you, that's where the magic happens, where you're able to have that connection with people because you never know. And some people, I'm not saying all, in 12 years, I've met a lot of people. And till this day, I have kept in touch with many of them. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Either on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, or, or some of them have my number and I have their numbers and they text me once in a while. How are you doing? Where are you go? Where you are and all that stuff. You yeah, know? yeah. 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 Perfect. And I remember also another cool thing you were mentioning before you were mentioning your, um, your cafe. So your bicycle nomad cafe, uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. And another thing that actually I heard from that we're going to talk as well about the last trip but actually thinking about this thing because i think that there are concepts that are pretty 
powerful. You were saying something. I wanted to open yeah. a bicycle cafe because I want to give back to the community what the community gave me because you were traveling around they were giving you i don't know a place to sleep or a place to eat or just even a chitty chat or some water or some help if needed yes. but on the other side you wanted to build up a community because by being outside of the time you were not really part of a community maybe of many communities but not a community while opening your Correct. bicycle cafe you could actually be the center of a community where everybody know, knew each other everybody talked with each other everybody needed what the other person was needed the community and this was great this is great yeah i mean i've been very nomadic through all my life uh, never built an actual community because I moved from Miami to Philadelphia and then back to, so I moved all over. And um, even with my work, I had to travel a, a lot. What's your job, if I can ask you, Eric? Well, well right now, I, I'm, I'm a model. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, but before, I used to work as a marketing um, uh, manager. So we used to do events, big mm. events mm -hmm. for like um, maybe boxing or, or, or football or soccer uh, events all throughout uh, racing, car racing, all throughout the country. And they would hire me to, to manage the event, right? Okay. So I used to manage events. Um, but now um, I'm a model in, in Los Angeles and... And I also still own Bicycle Nomad, not the cafe, but the, um, the brand. So we sell like apparel, T-shirts, hats, and things like that. And we'll talk about Bicycle Nomad. Bicycle Nomad was created to inspire people to travel by bicycle, yeah. you know, to, to see what I have seen. Because um, I didn't have an example. I just, I was an adventurer that used bike. I didn't know that there was a movement that now I'm aware that it's a movement all around the country and around the world of people traveling by bicycle. And it's not something new. There's people traveling by bicycle early and in the late 1800s, you know. So um, it's, a, it's a beautiful uh, story of, of travelers, how they have explored the 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 world by bicycle and and when i created bicycle nomad cafe it was for that it was to inspire people to to travel by bicycle also to to have people travel all over and have a safe place and we and, and we have many people in five years that will come to the bicycle nomad cafe and and you know have a cup of coffee and we have showers too where people were able to take a shower or maybe i call someone and say oh i don't have a place to stay i will call one of my friends around or maybe um, allow them to stay at my place. Mm -hmm. and, and it was, uh, it's, uh, it's just, you know, everywhere I travel, there was always people, Stefano, that helped me out to move towards my destination. Always. I cannot tell you that I travel by myself. And I, I travel, yes, solo, but throughout my trip, we call those trail angels. They will appear to help you out to like if you were thirsty if you were hungry a place to sleep and the only thing people always tell me or uh or told me uh was just pay it forward just pay it forward give it to just do the same thing that i'm doing for somebody else yeah and then that's how we created bicycle nomad cafe right like i'm just whatever people need it either in my community or outside my community 
because my community was not only in Phoenix, but I have a community, a social media community, right? That that people uh, were inspired by the brand of Bicycle Nomad that will come to the Bicycle Nomad from all over the world. We had one of my last um, guests was from China. Oh, wow. And he has been traveling for seven years around the country. I mean, I'm sorry, around the world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So left China, left China seven years ago and was on his way to Mexico and decided to stop by the Bicycle Nomad Cafe. And just like that, there was, I mean, many travelers from all over the world and all, all over the United States that will stop at the Bicycle Nomad. That's one thing that I do miss about uh, having that coffee shop, it was just listening to people's story because wow. yeah. when you're a traveler, you, I mean, you know, the stories that that guy had seven years of traveling by bicycle all around the world. Uh, he was just like uh, uh, a walking uh, storybook. I, I, I wanted to know about traveling through Iran. I wanted to to learn about traveling through Italy. I wanted to, and he told me all these stories and I was just fascinated, just like him, many people. Yeah, I have a lot of stories, but when you're a traveler, you become a storyteller. And it was just so fascinating because I was able to travel uh, around the world through some of his stories, you know, like going through Afghanistan and Kashistan and Russia. And I'm like, whoa, fascinated by the silk route of Marco Polo and uh, just... Yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually, I feel absolutely like you felt actually at that in this period or while you had your Bicycle Nomad Cafe or in general by listening to these stories because that's exactly the same way and the same reason why I talk with people like you because actually I like to take out the people like the, the stories that you are telling or I interviewed a couple of weeks ago also people that had been traveling for uh, Southeast Asia or as you were mentioning mentioning Iran or Turkey or whatever these are really the stories that fulfill your spirit makes make you dream and then you think okay maybe the next time I can do it but if if even if you're not gonna do it anymore you have already first-hand stories and uh, they're just yeah. fascinating right you can really dream about that even just by reading the book of Marco Polo as you were saying it's already a dream just yes. think about that listening that from a person, from the live voice of a person. That's super great. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Um, well, the last thing about the Bicycle Nomad Cafe and the Bicycle Nomad in general, what is going to happen with your Bicycle Nomad and in general? Do you have in mind actually to open another cafe? Or I know that actually you are building up the Bicycle Nomad into something like a guided tour uh, company agency project, so you want to call it? Yes, the, the vision for Bicycle Nomad from, from when I created it was to basically inspire people to travel by bicycle. Um, and whatever that is, like uh, we did a Bicycle Nomad film festival where we would show film festival about uh, different bicycle um, adventures around the world. And we did that for three years. And, and that's what I mean, like the brand itself doesn't stay in a box. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's just to it's uh, it cannot fit in a box. It's it's to inspire people. So it, uh, it's many things, right? So wherever I could do to inspire people, either create a film festival, a coffee shop. Now coffee shop closed. Uh, I love the um, uh, 
uh, part of my um, my life, and not sure if I will create another one. But I'm I, I'm always open to opportunities. Um, but right now, just inspiring people. We did a collaboration with uh, State Bicycles out of uh, Arizona, and we created a hundred and a uh, hundred bikes that were State Bicycle Nomad bikes. That was the first time that I collaborated with a bike company to create a bicycle nomad. Um, and that was an amazing opportunity. And when they reached out to me, I said, yes, it's aligned to um, what I want to do for my brand, which is inspire people to travel by bicycle. And they had a bicycle fully built at uh, $899 US dollars, and uh, which is amazing, right? Wow. To have a bike under $1,000. For me, um, a bicycle traveler should not be um, expensive. It should be open to everybody because and that's why i partnered with them because i i thought what a great opportunity for someone to that wants to travel and be able to buy a bike under a thousand dollars and i uh, and when i say i want people to travel by bicycle to see what i have seen yes i have seen amazing beautiful physical beauty beauty of the world right Mm -hmm. but when i'm talking about when i talk about seeing i'm talking about more of a feeling like um, I have seen love. I have seen compassion for people. I have seen compassion for humanity. And I want people to, to, to know because sometimes people say, oh, you shouldn't travel through that part of the world. And I say, why? Oh, people are mean. But I have never encountered that person. I've never encountered negative. All I have encountered is Again, compassion, love that people that don't know, know me are helping me out to travel to my destination. It's a beautiful thing to understand um, that some people say, oh, there's, uh, there's a few good people. I say, no, there's more good people and there's a few bad people, absolutely, you know, absolutely. Um, the other way around. And, uh, and, and that's what I want people to see. And the only way to experience and, and now 12 years of traveling by bicycle when someone tells me that, I just, I don't listen, Mm-mm-mm. right? Uh, because uh, my last trip, they say, oh, be careful when you go to Louisiana. Be, f- be careful when you go to Alabama. People are mean. Honestly, I said, unless it comes from a bicycle traveler, that's the only way I would listen. Yeah. But if you're not a bicycle traveler, you have not experienced that. So how, what, what is your experience based on or what are you telling me this based on? tv (laughs) um but i only base like if a traveler tells me don't go through then uh, a bicycle traveler then i then then uh, then i will listen but other than that i i go explore yes and yeah 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 yeah. well you were talking about your last trip maybe we can go into that so your last bicycle trip was as we were saying at the end of last year the end of 2020 and it was actually riding the underground railroad route let's start from the beginning because actually i documented a bit myself i read a bit of articles and stuff but i wanted to listen to your voice what's that what's the underground railroad because from us european at least i talk about me because probably there are many people around in europe that know perfectly that's part of the story but for me as european that's something that is not completely clear and i would love actually to people when we all talk about representation when we all talk about uh, what happened at that time when we're talking about slavery when we talk about 
all these things. I would love actually to put a bit more into a contest and know what we are talking about. Yes, well, thank you. Um, the Underground Railroad was uh, goes back to the history of uh, the U.S. where uh, enslaved Africans would use the route of the Underground Railroad. It wasn't an Underground Railroad per se. It was just the name that it was just a route to escape to Canada. Okay. And just like I mentioned to you about humanity, there were many peoples of different races that will help these travelers, these, I call them freedom seekers, at that point when they leave the, the, the plantations because they were um, slave for uh, a different product, um, mainly cotton, mm. cotton, um, and, but it's hard work and slavery. And so they will use the Underground Railroad to escape to Canada and, uh, because Canada had abolished uh, slavery. The Underground Railroad uh, was a connection. It was a network of, of people, of businesses, of houses where people were able to travel many miles and, were a- and had a safe um, place to stay to travel to the next location. You understand? So the Underground Railroad had conductors and the conductors were, uh, how can I explain? They were like the guides that they knew the routes because these are people that did not did not know how to read a map or did mm-hmm. not know where to go. They didn't know these countries. They they they, slay, they stayed in their plantation and they were um, um, they didn't know how they didn't know the world outside the plantation. But there was guides guides that would take them from one location to the other location. And it was so underground railroad that not one guy knew the whole route. They only knew maybe two underground railroad stations. And the underground railroad station, like I mentioned, were the safe houses. They call everything was related almost like a like it was a railroad, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you travel on a railroad. So the the guides were called conductors, and, and the safe houses were called stations. And again. The only reason why the, the, the conductors were only allowed to know a few stations was because they, if they were caught, they didn't know the whole route. They were like, oh, yeah, this house was part of it. If they were uh, mistreated to tell part of the underground railroad, you understand? And it wasn't one route. It was uh, many different routes. Um, but there was beautiful stories uh, of freedom because that's what we're talking about here. Yes. And that's why I was, that's why I became so interested because it was in a part of my time in my life that I was looking for my freedom. Um, and that took me a long time because people kept asking me, why did you do this trip? And I said, I was looking for my own freedom, you know, and I, I'm a freedom seeker and I will, I will always look for freedom because freedom gives me peace Mm-hmm. And I'm always looking for that piece too, you know, but, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about that too, but, uh, that's, that, that's what the underground railroad was. And there was, uh, uh, the, the one particular route that I covered, um, was, uh, comes from an old slave song called follow the drinking gourd. Okay. And you can look it up on, on YouTube, follow the drinking gourd. It wasn't a song per se. Because people will sing it at plantations. But the song actually was a GPS to tell other people how to escape to Canada. And the song says, you follow the Tennessee River to the Ohio River. 
and then follow the North Star. And the North Star will take you to, to, to Canada. And that's what I did. Most of my route was uh, always camping and riding next or as close to the Tennessee River to the Ohio River. And I follow an actual route of the Underground Railroad and visited locations, physical locations of the Underground Railroad. But, um, but yeah, on a summary, the Underground Railroad was the route where uh, slave Africans will escape to freedom into Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also here, just uh, maybe to put a bit more of solid uh, content, especially for people like me that didn't know about that before having to, knowing your story, knowing you that you were going into this road uh, to discover it and to know a bit more about that. Actually, this was super effective and actually this was super dangerous. You were actually putting us directly into the contest saying the conductor knew only a couple of these stations because it was dangerous. The road was called underground because it has to be secret because it was dangerous. I truly believe that into this route that you have done, a lot of people passed through that, of course, but also a lot of people died because if you were caught at that time, it was not that somebody would tell, okay, get back to where you were before and continue working. If you are out of where you have to be, you have to be and you are escaping from your person that is actually your owner let's put it in this way they would kill you so there is a lot of mental and emotional feelings that you went through on that because i think that actually all the memories there were pretty heavy to digest let's put it in this way yeah there are many people that died um no you're 100 percent sure and right it was a very dangerous trip to take you know but uh, um it's kind of like what we were talking about um and um before we started, uh, when you're looking for freedom, you don't care. Absolutely. Right? You, you, you don't care. What you need is that freedom, that your, your, your basic human right is freedom. And if that's taken away from you, you do whatever it takes. Even that, you know, right now we have many Africans going into Europe and, and, and that you um, are helping with, with, with the podcast. Um, yeah, it's, it's what we're talking about. It doesn't matter. You rather um, uh, take the, the um, you know, uh, just the freedom. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also here, just to touch base on this slightly, this was so in at the end of last year this was not the first time that you have done it right you this was your second time on the underground rail route why have you done it for the second time i think that you were mentioning before actually let's put it in this other way you were telling us before that actually you made your first time because you were also looking for freedom and peace right so let's start from here yes. where you have done it the first time and then let's transition on why you have done it the second time well uh, like i mentioned before i always loved history as a kid uh, when I my mom took me to Mexico and I explored some of the Mayan civilization so I've always been interested to travel through history right to learn more to see actual physical it's, it's okay if you look it up in the books but when you're able to see and touch history it changes your life and your perspective on on things right and you learn a little more um, so in 2014, you know, I tr by then I have traveled about six years around the uh, around the country by bicycle, and at that point I decided I wanted to travel with a purpose. 
um, you know, I could go from Canada to Mexico. What was the purpose? Well, you know, maybe I'm looking for, for freedom too, but uh, I wanted to learn something. I wanted to, because I ride about 75 miles a day. So I, when I ride, what pushed me the next day to ride another 75 miles? And when you travel without a purpose, almost like life, um, you have no direction, no, no, no excitement. But when I travel around the Underground Railroad, I, there was so much to see every single day that I just couldn't, I couldn't wait to wake up and then see what's next. What else am I, am I going to learn today? You know, and that's the route of the Underground Railroad um, where you learn so much history. And it's a very, a very spiritual trip for me. And I think it's a route that uh, as hard as it is physically, mentally and spiritually, um, it's a trip that I think I would I, I would do it over and over and over again, because there's always different lessons that I get um, from traveling on the ground railroad. And, you know, you understand I'm traveling by bicycle and I can only see but so much. So sometimes I have to go off the route and, and see more things. So there's still a lot of, even though I've traveled two times, there's still a lot of places that I want to go visit and, and still explore the underground railroad. Um, and yeah. And, um, and, 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 and yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a trip that I will do, I think for the rest of my life. I'm not sure if I do it as long as I have done it. My last trip took me 32 days from New Orleans up to Canada, you know, so uh, it's a it's a very physical trip, but again, mental and spiritual because you you are learning about people that that died and and um and and and, and looking for freedom, right? So, yeah, I love I, I love the Underground Railroad, and, and it's a trip that maybe one day I, I take with my with my son. Should yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Still to yeah. actually establish what you were saying before, establishing tradition letting him to understand and to touch with us what happens in the yeah. in the time what we are actually i can say it in this way yes what we are fighting for right now and which one is the difference yeah. right because we can still say it's still there yes it is still there but how everything started that's what i mean you know? yeah yeah it's very important to know history and then and then also know that there, there has been some changes and and they still need some changes to happen uh but and, and, and the freedom, obviously, uh, sometimes people say, oh, but, but we're not slave anymore. Yeah, we're not slave, but sometimes we are slaves in our minds. Right. So my freedom um, um, uh, came more because I was a slave in my mind. Uh, I was able to discover and see things a lot different from from traveling uh, on this route. That is a very spiritual route where a lot of people travel. And you have to understand a lot of people travel by, by uh, walking or maybe by horse or something like that, but they had to travel because it was so dangerous. They had to travel at night. Yeah. So, so they were able to, to hide and there were dogs and there were people certain, you know, I did it by bicycle and I did it uh, on a, on a road, but you could see places where you're like, whoa, you know, maybe they had to cross this river back then to cross over. And there was many rivers that they had to cross, but yeah, very dangerous trip, but uh, all for the name of freedom, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, another thing that I wanted to ask you there, so you actually mentioned that your last uh, route was from New Orleans to Canada. And we were mentioning many times how uh, tough is 
spiritually, mentally, also physically, of course, to go through these roads. But what did you see? So what can you see by going there? For sure, you can see actually the roots, you can see the rivers, you can see plantation, as we were saying before. But what can you see really that would, would throw you back of a hundred years more and would really touch your uh, sensibility? How do you want to call it? Your spirituality? Whatever. Yeah, no, I mean, you see so many things. I, one of my um, uh, goals when I was traveling through the Underground Railroad was to stay at least at one or two stations, right? The Underground Railroad, railroad stations that I mentioned. Mm. Uh, this were place where people actually stayed uh, back in the 1850s and they were able to hide for one night or two days or three days and then keep moving north towards um, towards Canada. And I was able to actually um, give an example. Um, there's a place called New Albany, Indiana. And there's a church there that the pastor took me down there. That church was there, part of the Underground Railroad. He says, you know, this church was part of the Underground Railroad. His name is Reverend um, uh, Marshall. Uh, Reverend Marshall uh, says, you know that this church was part of the Underground Railroad? I said, oh, I didn't know that. And he took me downstairs to the basement wow. of this church. And down there, I saw rooms where people were kept. Also, I saw a tunnel that connected uh, that church to a hospital that was across the street where because it was so underground and very uh, people, you know, was very dangerous. They built this tunnel where the nurses will come from the hospital down the basement and help the freedom seekers with whatever health issues they may have. Right. But outside, you didn't see that because everything happens literally underground uh, for the safety of everyone. And, uh, and there was another tunnel that went into the city or into the town of New Albany where uh, freedom seekers were able to go there and uh, disappear within the population, right? right? So um, uh, those are the kind of things that I saw that I, when I went to the basement of this church, it was hard to breathe. Not because, I mean, yeah, there was oxygen, but it was just like you could sense the energy mm -hmm. down there you know, of, of, of many travelers that came through, um, through, through that, through that church. But I went to another place called, uh, it's in Ripley, Ohio, the ranking house and the ranking house, over 5,000, uh, freedom seekers went through this house and the ranking, um, the ranking family helped these people to move on to, to, to get closer to Canada. This is in Ohio. And, um, I actually spent the night there. I camped out behind the house and it was just so amazing. I actually could not sleep that night because I knew the history of this house and how many people have gone through there. I slept maybe three hours. As tired as I was, I slept for three hours and I woke up around 3.30 in the morning and I decided to, to leave because... I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't sleep just the energy there, but I also wanted to experience why I wanted to leave at night. I also wanted to experience traveling at night. When I say I wanted to engage myself in the history, they did not travel in the daytime like I did. So I took three or four nights where I travel at night. 
because I wanted to, I wanted to sense that fear of traveling on, on the unknown by night. And I did that and it was very scary, you know, to go through some of these places where you don't know, but I was like, this is, this must be the feeling that people had traveling through this, uh, routes that I did, you know? Yes, yes, so. yes. No, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Also there, you mentioned that actually you moved, you moved from, uh, the south till the north till canada in terms of the route itself and actually the things that you visited and things that you could see are there many differences there so you can really check the differences between the south of us till the north till canada yeah definitely you sense it till today you know hundreds of years later you still sense the the system, the culture that the plantation or that era uh, brought to this country of the United States. And yeah, there's a lot of nice people that live in the South and a lot of nice people that live in the North. But there's also some people that, because what happens in this country was um, generational, um, when you talk about Let's talk about racism or racism gets passed down by generations, right? Like so, someone learned that from their dad, someone learned that from their grandparents. And it's just, it's almost like a, a, a disease that gets passed down. Mm. Until this day, there's people that, that, that um, feel like that way in the United States, especially in the South. So there's still that culture. Um, so you could sense, you could sense the energy when you're traveling in the South. And, and actually the first time that, that I traveled in 2014, that I did the, the trip, people were saying, a lot of my friends and families told me not to do it. You know, they said, don't do this trip because you either will be harmed as a person of color or you will be killed. Wow. And I was like, whoa. Wow. Yeah. But, but like I mentioned early on, I still believe what well, my mom told me when I was a kid of that I could travel freely around the world. So, and because of my, my drive and my hunger to, to learn more and, and to experience the unknown, I just went ahead and went and on my trip. And it was an, a, an amazing experience because I did not encounter, I did not encounter uh, racism, not in my face at least, I did encounter a lot of compassion and I, just to give you an example, I went to a campground uh, somewhere in Alabama. I can't remember the name. And the guy says, whose bike is this? The owner of the campground. I said, oh, it's mine. I said, you need me to move it? He said, no. What are you, where, where are you going? Where are you traveling to? And my bike, you know, had bags and my camping tent and all that. And I said, I'm going from New Orleans up to Canada and I'm retracing the history of the Underground Railroad. And he says, wow. Um, and he told me, I cannot charge you. I cannot profit from the wow. spiritual trip that, that you are on. So you are going to be our guest. Uh, I cannot take your money. So my, I mean, tears came out of my eyes. And they came out for two reasons. First, for his kindness. And second, for people that were telling me not to do it. I wish they could have seen uh, his understanding, his compassion, his um, 
uh, willing to 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 for me to have a good experience because he understood that that was a, a, a very dark history of this country and he just said no I'm not going to profit as a matter of fact he says once you set up your tent I want you to uh, come to my house and you're going to be our guest for for dinner wow you see what I'm saying mm. so um, so yeah there, there's a lot of things there's a lot of uh, energy that you can sense that is like oh this 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 place has still till this day have a dark energy uh, but, but, you know, hopefully one day we could, uh, not erase that cause I, you cannot erase history, but, but the, hopefully there could be more understanding that what, that we are, we are equal. You know what I mean? Like we are human beings, regardless of, of, uh, if you are in, in, in Italy or in Japan or in China or in Egypt, uh, we all look for the same thing, which is, um, just love and freedom. That's all we want, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, because another thing that actually pops up into my mind, and actually I heard you talking about that uh, in the other interviews, is that at the end you made your last trip through the south of US in the middle of election, right? It was in the middle of the election. Everybody keep was keeping on saying of everything that was happening in the US and probably the vibes were not the best. And for you, person of color, riding through the mission that you were riding, basically, and through the route where you were riding, could have been a bit complicated. But you didn't encounter anything bad. And that's really nice. That's really good. Uh, a lot of people said, don't do it. Don't do it. Same thing as 2014. And this actually uh, was a, uh, uh, there was a lot of injustice that happened in the United States in 2020. So uh, people said, don't do it. And yeah, I didn't encounter, um, yeah, I just encountered people that were just curious what I was doing and, and no one really bothered me. You know, when you travel by bicycle, uh, you're traveling with a vehicle that is very, um, not it's non-threatening vehicle yes. right so they just see someone passing by can you hurt somebody on a bicycle no <laughs> you know so that's I, I think that's been the beauty of me like people just like where's he going where's where's he coming from and that's as as far as um as the curiosity goes but but you're traveling with a, a non-threatening vehicle you know if maybe if i was traveling with a truck or something like that maybe but not with a bicycle Okay, so yeah. we can really say that we can put it in this way. Probably we could, we can, we can really say, and that's something that we can read around in a lot of books, listen around in a lot of songs or whatever. We can say that actually, probably the bicycle is really a tool, a vehicle of peace and freedom. That's why we, we can 100%. see that. A hundred percent. I mean, for everyone, right? Like, I mean, you're traveling with human power. There's you, you, you're, you're not damaging damaging the earth or you i mean yeah it is it's the vehicle of peace and freedom yeah i like how you said that yeah yeah yeah. also because on the other side you can as you were saying you are basically um yes you cannot hurt anybody with a bike and on the other side you are really i would not say in danger but you are the weakest around there because you're moving with your own power and stuff so really nobody can feel that there is any danger with somebody on the bike especially when he's traveling into the route that you have done, you know, that's really seeking okay. for freedom, seeking for learning a bit more about history and anything like this. And that's great. Correct. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. Perfect. Um, 
So yeah, that's super great. And actually, this is something like really an eye opening on uh, the history of the US, history of person of people of color, and uh, still traveling with the bike in this way. It's also a great and powerful tool for telling the story. Another thing that I loved about that is that you said also in another interview, and actually I can see it around, you are traveling with a bike, but and you're traveling with a bike with such emissions, not really to take videos out of it, take stories out of it, right? You are doing it for doing it, and then you are happy to tell to everybody, to everybody your story by voice and everything. So do you think that... Tell me a bit more about that, yes. Yeah, I think that um, I, my focus is never has been to document. Yeah, I do documentation because people have asked me maybe on social media and stuff, but I travel almost six years before I was on social media with no pictures or anything. I always um, knew early on, like when I was in college, that I wanted to know more about myself. And, um, and one time I read that you really can learn about yourself uh, if you don't take time for yourself. And how can you take time for yourself in the city? Well, you could. But the way I did it was traveling by bicycle on the unknown and knowing how strong I am mentally, physically, that I'm able to travel from Mexico, from, from Canada to Mexico from Miami to New York City by my own power because there's so many emotions that go through, right? So I learned so much about myself in the past 12 years, um, made me a little wiser, made me a little more patient. I, I uh, understand humanity a lot better. Um, but again, yeah, I, I did it for that. I did it not for everyone to see what I was doing, but more about discovering who I was, right? Because even early on when I was in college at the university, I knew that I couldn't have a child or, or, or raise a child if I didn't know who I was. So for me, it was very important to understand me and how to be a better human being. That's usually like when I wake up, okay, how do I become a better human being? Mm. And, and again, the only uh, way that I was able to discover myself, and I didn't know this, but I, un I understand that now, 12 years later of traveling by bicycle, is, is, is actually seeing what I have seen. And again, not the physical, but more about the love that people have given me, the compa how people being very compassionate, and, and people always saying, pay it forward, right? And, and I just... I understand myself a lot better because of the experience. Because someone said to me, like, only when it's quiet, only when things are quiet that you're able to hear yourself, right? Like, Bicycle Nomad came about from traveling by bicycle. I literally was on the bicycle and I said, how do I inspire more people to travel by bicycle? And I said, oh, I'll create a brand that is focused on traveling by bicycle, and I created Bicycle Nomad. And if I could, um, I could show you many messages of people that the brand has inspired. I, that is why um, when you ask me what's next for Bicycle Nomad, I have to continue the brand because I see how many um, lives I've been able to change 
uh, due to a small brand called Bicycle Nomad. And people just being inspired, like, I just want to travel by bicycle. One guy said, I bought a bicycle because of you. I, I used to weigh 325 pounds, and now my goal is to um, uh, lose weight. And, and it's just over. And oh, I'm just so many different stories that that fuels um, my drive to continue Bicycle Nomad, you know? But, but, but it's, it's for that. Yeah, it's, for, it's to discover myself. It's the way that, you know, it's the same thing as some people use yoga to do it, right? So people use yoga and they discover themselves. Me, um, it was the bicycle how I was able to discover myself. That's great. That's super great. And I just want to ask you, really, take five more minutes of your time because I want to ask you one, maybe two questions. The first one is, how do you see at the moment then... Um, the bicycle, the bicycle world, the bicycle community, let's put it in this way, bicycle community for people of color. Because it's clear, I think it's pretty clear, just correct me if I'm wrong, but basically bicycles was always seen as the competitive sport for white people 50 plus. Most of the time, overweight. Now the narrative of it changed in terms of also younger people and uh, whatever are using the bike for a different way. But what about actually the black community, people of color on bike? Can you see a bit more of representation? Can you see more people jumping on the bike and traveling? A little bit. A little bit. Right? A, you see it a little bit. But it all starts from, um, how can I say why hasn't grown? Um, and it's growing now, but you only see that a little bit because um, the brands are not telling the stories of, of, of people of color traveling by bicycle or people of color using a bicycle as a method of transportation or as a sport or doing triathlons. They don't show it in their stories of marketing, right? So me, um, if I don't see that, of someone that looks like me, or maybe then I'm not welcome. Maybe that's not for me. You understand? Yes. Um, so it starts there. For us to change, to be a, a, a sport, or, or to use the bicycle as a, as a method of transportation to discover yourself, to travel by bicycle, uh, they're missing out on a lot of, um, if they want to grow, if they want to grow, I think that they need to start uh, telling the story and, uh, and marketing about people of color uh, using the bicycle. We need to see more representation on when I look at their social media and I don't see one. So I'm older, so I don't need that representation. But I'm thinking about the younger kids, right? That The next bicycle nomad. The, I want them to say, oh, if he's doing it, then I could do it too. But without seeing that, how can they, right? So, so changes happens there. Changes happen there. And that's one of the reasons I also created Bicycle Nomad because I said, well, I'm only one person of color. But if I could inspire people through social media, and I have because I get people like, well, I've been inspired by you to travel. I'm a person of color. And I see uh, the joy that the bicycle traveling has, um, has brought to your life. I want to do that. But again, it, it takes, I'm only reaching a little bit of population. I want, I want the, with, with, with marketing, with these companies, they have the power to change. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. you see what I'm saying? Like, yes. yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I can tell you that actually you are also leading everybody by experience. You're not doing it only for the social media or only to to make photos or whatever. You are really traveling. You are telling a story of freedom with your traveling on the bike, yeah. and that's super great. Yes. Uh, yes. The last thing that I want to ask you: What's next? I know that actually now you're going to become father in a couple, in some weeks, let's put it in this way. And yes. I think that this is going yes. to be the most important project for you. But what's next with uh, Eric and his bike or bicycle nomad? Uh, one of the things that I wanted to do due to um, the nature of our, you know, to inspire more people to travel by bicycle. I, I recently thought about this because I would always show long trips. 30 days, 50 day trips. And recently I, I, I started thinking, I want more people to travel by bicycle. How do I do that? I cannot show always that I'm traveling 30 days or 50 days because that's actually uh, hard for someone that has a family or kid or responsibilities or a company to run or business or work to do that kind of, to take that much time, right? And I, recently started thinking i'm going to start doing one day trips so you will see that on bicycle nomad social media where i'm going to be taking one day trips because that's all it takes again all it takes is for you to take stay um pull yourself away from from your daily responsibility of of of, of adulthood right like paying rent and doing this and doing that just take the time away for yourself to go camp sometimes i only go 45 miles away from here I camp out and then I come back the next day. And when I come back, I'm recharged. I'm a better human being. I'm a better husband. I will be a better father just because I took the time for myself. And I want to inspire people to do those one day trips. So you will see a lot of content uh, of me riding from here to New, uh, to uh, San Diego. It's okay. about 140 miles. 140 miles, I'll do it in two days. And then when I get to San Diego, I will take the train back up, you know. Uh, so those are the things that I, I tell people. How, you know, you don't need to do 30 days. Just a one, all it takes sometimes is just one day mm -hmm. for you to reflect, for you to have coffee outside. And, and sometimes I don't even have the day to, to stay somewhere, right? So I'll find a random place somewhere away from the city. And I bring my camping gear with my camping stove and my, my mocha and, and I have coffee somewhere in the mountains or somewhere by the beach. And then I come back the same day. Um, so that's, you will see that kind of content now because I am becoming a father. So I won't have the time to leave and I won't want to leave my house because uh, one of the toughest things uh, last year when I did the, the Underground Railroad, it wasn't the terrain. It wasn't the weather. It wasn't uh, the hills or as physical as it was. It was, uh, was the hardest for me was to be away from my, from my wife that long, you know. But um, so I will do, I will always travel by bicycle. Even if I'm 100 years old, you will still see Bicycle Nomad doing some type of trip. Maybe not as far as I have done before, but I will always travel by bicycle. It's is. It's the way, but traveling by bicycle, Stefano, for me, is like how I feed my soul. Yeah. You know, like I like right now I'm eating for my stomach, but how I feed myself, my true self is traveling by bicycle. So 
I can never uh, survive without traveling by bicycle. So it's, 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 for me, it's like breathing. It's like breathing. Yeah. Yeah. Eric, <laughs> thanks a lot, really, for your stories. Thanks a lot for your amazing <laughs> attitude. Thanks a lot for your inspiration. Please continue doing over and over. And uh, yes, I think that I will continue follow you and I will continue <laughs> checking out with you whatever and where you're doing because it's really a huge, so you are really a huge source of inspiration. And uh, I don't know, good vibes. <laughs> That's what I would thank say. Thank you, Stefano. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to share my story and thank you for reaching out. And I hope that one day we're able to meet each other either in Europe or here in the US. Um, I would love that. Yes, yes. We are going to do it. We are going to do it. So that's actually my plan sooner or later to come over back to California. So in case I'm going to drop you a line. And if you want to come over here, I have an, a bunch of amazing mountains that I want to show you. So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. please Definitely. do it. Definitely. <laughs> Ciao, Thank Eric. you, Stefano. It was a pleasure. Ciao. <laughs> Thanks, Eric, for sharing with us your story. And now I can start directly here. All the talks that I usually do at the beginning first of all this is a story of freedom the same freedom that people from africa are trying to catch when they are moving up to europe they are freedom seekers as eric called them and for this reason i want you to know that i'm supporting sea watch the association with rescuing people in center mediterranean route and i do it myself with dropping a coin every time that we are talking about COVID into this podcast and i will give this money to see watch at the end of the season remember that you can support them as well seawatch.org uh without mentioning broomwagon but just if you really care about the same cause i do just feel free to do it i'm super happy for that and uh, if you want also to share and this time is probably more important than other times sorry for everybody who is guessing on uh, the broom wagon but this time is a bit more important if you want to share this story to somebody who doesn't know what is as i did till a couple of weeks ago maybe one month ago the about the underground railroad to somebody that doesn't know so much what's going on in the us to people that really wants to know a bit more about representation on the bike feel free to do it and you can find this podcast apple podcast google podcasts and spotify and Spreaker and wherever you can find it and as well if you can review rate and comment this episode is really a great thing so we can actually move up this episode on the chart thanks a lot Eric again and thanks a lot to Komut who supports me on this adventure of the episodes and of the podcast the season number four of the broom wagon because only thanks to them and thanks to you listening to that I can continue to tell these stories it's super amazing really thanks a lot and I just want to give you a tip on Komut like I usually do um, from time to time you're lacking a bit of uh, uh, let's say inspiration well there is an amazing uh, section that is not super let's say is not super intuitive to find but actually if you go on komoot.com slash trip dash create slash collection slash search you can actually find um, a bar a search bar where you can look for all the collection in places you can filter it by places you can filter it by um yes your mean on transportation whatever you need to do and then there you will find really a lot of good inspiration for your trip because now uh, the spring is out and 
even just for after work uh, backyard ride, you can find something cool that you can just discover and explore on your backyard. Something else to say? Yeah, no, not, not so much. I really, really hope that you enjoyed this episode and I will talk to you next week. Bye.